Praise the Lord. So good to be with you. I've known your pastors for many years, and uh, I talked about it this morning. The first time I was with them was 30 years ago, 29 years ago. Wow, I can't believe that. I was seven. And uh, anyway, <laughs> not, not quite. <laughs> no, that's right. That's right. I was a child. But uh, man, what a treat to see how, how full you are, and how cool to have the Star Spangled Banner before you preach. That doesn't get any cooler than that, does that? I mean, play ball. I love it. It's just wonderful. So we're sure good to be with you guys. I've known your pastors over the years, and I think that was a, quite a while building ago. And I got to see this building. I think last year we were up for your meetings with Patsy and uh, got to be here and walk around and see what all you got. you got great rooms for the kids, great rooms for the youth. Very, very cool. Uh, just awesome. I believe I love how full you are. and What a wonderful problem to have to kick some walls out and, uh, and haul more people in. I believe your Easter service will just get tons of people saved. And, and, I mean, this is it, guys. We're, we're, uh, we're at the very end of the church age, so we're, we're very, very blessed to have verses uh, about the time we live. More verses about right now than any time. I've heard other people say, well, I'd like to have been around in Bible days. You are around in Bible yeah. days. I mean, Scripture after Scripture after Scripture is coming to pass uh, right in front of our eyes. Tom, how you doing, man? My buddy back there, Tom DeMott. I have a seat for you, man. Come up here. Come on up. So good to see you, buddy. Bless you. One of my dear friends, Tom DeMott, back over there. He, he was going to have me cast the devil out of him right before we started, but no, I'm just kidding. Come on. Uh, Tom's a dear friend of mine. He pastored in Heidelberg, Germany for years, and uh, he's a real con- Israel connector guy. It's weird how he pretty much uh, knows all these radical people, but... Uh, Colleen and I are just blessed. We were in Pittsburgh yesterday, then the week before we were in Boston, and then Grosbeck, Texas. Uh, everywhere you go, you see people getting it. They're waking up to the fact that this is it. It is a little, the, the climate is a little different than what we all thought. You know, we all thought everyone would be on fire, but in the midst of a climate where some people aren't on fire, you're in church. So you've, you've pressed through that, and somewhere someone's prayed for all of us. And I like the flavor of your church. You know, Pastor Mark talks about the goodness of God. The Lord's not mad at you. He's not frustrated with you. He's not ticked off you. He loves you. And when you get into end time preaching, you see such a force of how much he wants you to know how much he loves you. And how much he cares for you and wants you excited about your future. An expectation of meeting him face to face. The greatest change you and I will probably ever experience is about to happen. I believe we have a little bit of time before the rapture of the church. But, man, as a kid, I was uh, scared into the rapture. My mom said, hey, Jesus is coming back tonight. Well, I went to bed every night thinking I didn't want to miss it. So, you know, I'm going, Lord, I love you. So you either, you either get more humble or haughty. So uh, I believe there's a humility that can come into the church to get us into position. Lord, we love you. We're grateful that you died for us. And all the messages that we've all heard, you think about what you know compared to every generation. Greater is he that's in you than he's in this world. Whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. Oh, come on. There's a, there's a strength in you that no other generation ever had. So, so we're very, 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 very blessed. So grab your Bibles and, and we'll start and uh, get into 2 Peter chapter 3. We're going to look at some of the signs of the coming of the Lord. And we'll look at how near we are. And uh, as we do that, it's pretty amazing. The Bible's very, very, very clear and concise about this. It, I mean, people have interpreted things a little bit weird, but once you get into the full picture, it makes total sense where we are in time. That we're at the end of the church age, and uh, God's about to hand off for seven years to the Jews for a little bit, and then you're going to have the second coming of Christ. And what a wonderful event where you think about we want righteousness. What a wonderful event where God's been blamed for all the bad things. And here all of a sudden he's going to come back and, and the Prince of Peace will reign for a thousand years. And isn't it wonderful? You're writing your resume right now for what you'll be doing during that thousand years. So we're blessed. We're blessed to get to put some things on our resume. So uh, uh, why don't we pray and we'll get right into the word. Lord, we love you. 
We, we love you today. Thank you for dying for us. We thank you for Heart of the Bay Christian Center. Thank you for what you've given this church, Pastor Mark and Pastor Brenda, what their life, their legacy of following you and what this church stands for right before you return. We thank you for great grace this year. 2015, Father, we thank you for a, a year of acceleration that our spiritual pace, our walk with you would, would be intensified. And Lord, we look unto you, Jesus. We're so grateful you came out of the grave. We're so grateful that you overcame death, hell, and the grave. So grateful that you left us this massive inheritance. And we say all of us believers in this room will we'll walk in the full measure of what you left us 2,000 years ago. And Father, we're, we're so appreciative that we get to see how near we are to your return. Help us. Help us. Give us insight today how close we are uh, to you coming back to the planet. And Father, we thank you for uh, even a season of mercy and miracles and, and the power of God flowing through your church. Help us represent that you came out of the grave. And Lord, may we be the previewers of the next dispensation. Help us give some people a glimpse of what it will look like for Jesus to reign for a thousand years. Lord, we love you. We honor you. We magnify you. We lift you up today in this service. Receive the honor. Do your name. You said if you be lifted up, you draw all men unto you. So this morning, Lord, we magnify you. We glorify you. We honor you in this room. In Jesus' wonderful name. And everybody said amen. Amen. You know, and as Colleen and I go uh, over the years, it seems like we always would go to the schools and preach on gifts of the Spirit overseas and, and in the churches. When I started traveling years ago, that's the first thing I preached on was power flowing through you, not just to you. Yeah. And uh, then uh, I started preaching on end times quite a bit. Actually, the Lord appeared to me and told me to preach it, and I told him I didn't want to. 87, he goes, this is what you're supposed to preach? And I said, I really don't want to preach because I equated it with weirdness, you know. Yeah. And uh, so, But then the Lord will make you go preach on it. And then probably the last 10, 15 years, every invitation, would you come preach on end times? Sure, okay. And it kind of caught me off guard. But there is an awareness now that the believer uh, uh, should change their life. When you see the finish line, you run faster, not slower. At the end of a football game, you don't complain about your knees. When it's two-minute warning, you don't go back to the huddle and go, the quarterback goes, go deep. I don't feel like going deep. No, but it gets the complaining, gets the murmuring. This goes over real good, but anyway, good night, everybody. Drive safely. No, it gets any kind of frustration you might have out the door. You, You focus on scoring in football. When the two-minute warning's there, you don't think about how tired you are. You think about, we've got a certain amount of time that we've got to get the job done. Yeah. So that has to get into the church. So what happens is, all of our thought pattern revolves around, uh, we, we don't fit church into our life, it is our life. Because yeah. there's a real casualness about church, kind of, yeah, whatever. Well, knowing, the Lord, knowing you're about to meet the king face-to-face, yeah. it kind of alters you a little bit to go, wow, I, I've got some stuff I need to do. Yeah. And, and as we get into the signs today, we'll talk about the signs of the second coming. We'll talk about how near we are. So what it does is it shows us this is our season to operate in everything we've been hearing. More merciful, kinder than we've ever been. Uh, more, more let the ministry of Jesus and the personality of Jesus. Uh, don't have bitterness. Uh, cut people more slack than you've ever cut them. Be kinder than you've ever been. Come on, let, let people really see the personality of Jesus. I've said it this way. They really have never seen him. They've seen religion. They've seen tradition. But they've never seen Jesus. He's so cool. And what he's been presented at is not cool. But he's cool. He's the deal. And you know, my friend, eyes as a flame of fire. Feet like undefined brass. Voice of many waters. 
the protocol to stand before him is so near that we're going to be raptured. So let's let this season push us a little bit. And uh, all the messages you've heard will, 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 will function in it. Amen. Yeah. So grab your Bibles there and let's go to 2 Peter chapter 3, if you would. We'll start out in chapter 3, verse 1, 2 Peter. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. So here, notice the tone in the epistles. You're his beloved. Not frustrated with you, not agitated with you. He calls you his beloved. So he says here, things need to be stirred up. So he says in verse 2, that you would be mindful of the words that were spoken before by the holy prophets. And of the commandments of us, the apostles and Lord and Savior. Knowing this, not wondering, knowing this first, they'll come in the last days, scoffers walking after their own lust, saying... Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. So he gives you the climate there in the last days. People would be scoffing. They'd be walking after their own flesh saying, oh, where's the promise of his coming? We've been hearing that all of our lives. And, you know, you can feel that sometimes in the church because I've been hearing that all my life. And sometimes people go, well, I've been hearing the Lord's coming back. Where is he? Why didn't he come? He's not going to come back. How come he hadn't come? Well, he is coming. And uh, in that mentality, you have to almost press through that because the flesh will make you think there's not a change coming. But there is a great change coming. And look at the next verse. He tells you what that change was back then. In verse 5, he says, uh, it's pretty clear. He says, for this they willingly are ignorant that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. Basically, the flood came and they mocked Noah going, hey, it's never going to rain. It did rain. So the climate would be just like that today. Just like Jesus said, it would be like the days of Noah. That people are eating and drinking, giving to marriage. Change is not coming. Change is coming. Yeah. Jesus of Nazareth is coming back. And boy, with, with all the signs that are happening right now, we're going to get into the signs that have already happened. We'll get into about 15 or 20 of them real quick. And we'll talk about a few things that have happened in the last couple of weeks. A few things that happened in the last year. There's things happening almost every single day. Colleen and I do, a, it's called an end of days update. I don't hardly ever talk about it, but on our website, uh, we do it every Tuesday. And uh, it's about a five minute deal of what happened that week. There's stuff happening every single week. Yeah. This last week, Russia put missiles on the border of Poland. We responded by putting Patriot batteries there in, 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 in Europe. And uh, there's, there's, it's just one thing after another, man. There's, there's tunnels, more tunnels being built by uh, Hamas and Gaza right there on the southern part of Israel. Israel took out an Iranian tr- uh, general a few weeks ago on the northern part of Israel. Because listen to what Iran said. We want this strip of land right here on the northern part of Israel so where we can invade Israel. ISIS. ISIS said it's not about the Islamic State of Iraq and Syria. It's about going in and taking over Israel. Yep. Iran. What did Iran's leader tweet the week this last week when we were negotiating with them? Uh, Remove the rabid dog Israel from the earth. But see, the, the, we don't get a lot of the info over here. We get a lot of, uh, uh, I get stuff from, from Europe, and they talk a little bit more about what's going on in the Middle East. But there's stuff happening every day that should really propel us to go, wow, we're blessed. We're so blessed to get to watch these things happen. So the climate back there before the flood was, oh, nothing's going to change. And it did change. Even to the point that Enoch walked with God. How cool Adam. Uh, Enoch was the seventh from Adam. And I believe he, he sat on old Adam's lap. You know, and Adam said, man, God would come down in the cool of the day. And he'd talk to us. And he, Enoch began to walk with God. And he was the first end time preacher. Began to prophesy about the second coming of the Lord. How bizarre is that? He's prophesying. He's coming back with 10,000 of his saints. And they're like, well, he hadn't even come yet. What are you talking about? So here Enoch talked about the second coming of the Lord. And, and, and all of a sudden Enoch was caught up. He was raptured. But he had a son. He began to walk with God. Had a son named 
Methuselah. And his name means when I die, you all die. How'd you like to have a name? Their names meant something. So when you say hi to somebody, hey, by the way, when I die, you die too. What a weird name. So, uh, you know, but the very year that Methuselah died, the flood came. So he was a walking timepiece for them. And that's something that they could look at something and tell what time it was. So the scripture is real specific about uh, the tribe of Issachar in the Old Testament had an understanding of the times to know what the children of Israel ought to do. Indicating if you can't tell what time it is, you won't know what to do. Because if you have a short period of time, you've got you to change the way you walk. You start trotting and you start, you start hustling, you start sprinting. I believe the church is in for a sprint right here before we leave. Signs and wonders, miracles, demonstrations, angels, all kinds of activity, heavenly activity in the church. Normal, but supernatural. Normal, but supernatural. But, you know, to get in position for that, you almost got to realize that this is it. So here, they didn't believe a change was coming and a change came. And I said it before, I hate that Hollywood has more of a sense of change coming than the church. I mean, they, they don't know what it is, but they, resurrection, they got zombies, they got vampires. They, 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 the only way they can feel it is the end of the world, but the world's not coming to an end. Jesus is coming back. Amen. Every movie you see where the hero comes in at the end and saves the day, they get that from the Bible. Jesus is going to come back and stop war. Hallelujah. Amen. So we're so blessed to watch the world get ready for this. The setup for the Ezekiel 38 war, that's what we call World War III. So you're watching nation after nation get ready for that. Think about the Arab Spring. All the nations around Israel, you had Libya, you had Egypt, all of them going through changes because those older leaders had so much money, they didn't really want to kill Israel anymore. Mubarak had $600 million. He's on his yacht in Monaco, so he doesn't want to kill Israel. So all those older leaders got pushed out. You got new leaders in those nations, and you look at their websites, the Muslim Brotherhood, united to annihilate Israel. So here, you're living when there's a change in all these nations set up for what's going to happen right after we leave. So we're very blessed. So watch what the, the Word says here about the warning. Go over to verse 17. You know this so well, but I want to I build a little bit of a foundation before we get into the signs. Look at verse 17. You, therefore, beloved. I like that he always calls you his beloved throughout the whole chapter. You, therefore, beloved, seeing that you know these things before, beware. Lest you also, being led away with the air of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. So that's kind of an interesting warning that you could be living when all these spiritual and scriptural signs are happening and you could fall from your own steadfastness. Now that's interesting because six times the Bible says about the rapture of the church, be steadfast. And that's something that the climate of the rapture, he doesn't say, you know, I would think, woo, be on fire for God. He just says, stay in position. Don't be moved. Be patient. Yes. Be steadfast. In other words, some people think it's not worth it to be in church. You know it's worth it. Yeah. I have a friend of mine in the church where we traveled out of in, in Marietta, California there for a while. A buddy of mine, he'd work on my car. And he's a great guy. He brought visitors to the church. He'd come every two months. And, I, and I'd go, dude, you come once every two months. That's, you know, if you fed a baby once every two months, his growth would be retarded. Yeah. I said, you're spiritually retarded. Yeah. That went over real good. Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> But, but see, that's not steadfast. I'm not talking about attendance. I'm talking about the Word will get you so strong that you're not moved by anything. And you want to fit into prophecy. Daniel saw you. He said, you'd know your God. You would be strong and you would do exploits. So we might as well fit into the program and do what God's already seen about us. So he warns us there, don't fall from your own steadfastness. That just means that you got so much Word in you that nothing moves you. Amen. Nothing, there, there's a stability about you. There's a steadfastness about you. And that's what the Word does. You know this morning, you, you, you know how to believe your seed when you pray. Because you've heard the Word so much. The thread of your church. I know your pastors. It is Word and Spirit. It's a normal Jesus. 
So God sets you up for this season when some people wouldn't think it's worth it. Some people would be living like the devil. Some people would go, out. Ah, the Lord's never coming back. But we have a sensation He is coming back. Yeah. Now, now, we'll get into the signs of it, but the Bible says it's a hope that purifies you even as you're pure. Yeah. So there's something about hearing about how near you are to Him coming that purifies you. Yeah. Oh, come on now. So He wants you excited. He wants you happy. He wants to show you how much He loves you. There's an anticipation coming for the church. It's, it's, it's an anticipation to where you're almost just almost freaked out you're so happy. That people think something's mentally wrong with you because it gets you happy when you're about to meet Jesus. The one we worship, the one we honor, all of a sudden we're going to go from faith to sight. Come on. It didn't get, doesn't get much cooler than that. Come on. That all of a sudden we'll be caught up, be raptured, and, and what a wonderful thing never to gain weight again. Come on. We should pretty shout about that. Hallelujah. So the greatest change for all of our lives is very soon. So there should, be, there should be some spiritual change in our walk to get ready for that. Amen. So go over to Isaiah. Look at this. This is why we get into end times. Go to Isaiah 46. You know, uh, Paul talked about the baptism 12 times, the coming of the Lord 52 times. So there is a, a thought pattern in the scripture. He's coming back. He died. God raised him from the dead. And he's coming back. So look how interesting the Lord talks about himself. I like this. Go to Isaiah 46 just for a minute, because I want to get into this before we get into the signs. Isaiah 46, look at verse 9. He said, remember the former things of old. I'm God, there's none else. I'm God, there's none like me. Watch this. Declaring the end from the beginning. And from the ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. So this is how he told you and I, you can tell he's God. Yes. That he can tell you what's going to happen before it happens. I mean, think about Ezekiel. Ezekiel prophesied the exact year that Israel would be made a nation. Uh, Gabriel told Daniel the very year Jesus would come the first time. God is very, very flawless. Everything is precise. He said his going forth is prepared as the morning. And so, so watch this. Listen to the first ten names. I know this is a lot of info for a minute, but hang with me a minute. Listen to what the names mean. Adam means man. Seth means appointed. Enos means mortal. Canaan means sorrow. Mahiliel means the blessed God. Uh, Jared means shall come down. Enoch means teaching. Methuselah means his death brings. Uh, uh, Lamech means despairing. Noah means rest. Listen to the first ten names of the guys in the Bible. Man is appointed mortal with sorrow. The blessed God shall come down teaching. His death brings a despairing rest. He said, I'm God. I'll show you what's going to happen before it happens. The flawlessness of the scripture is pretty amazing. No other religion can tell you the future. only, Only the Bible. And one-third of that book is future. He basically wants to show you, this is how easy it will be for you to trust me, because I'm watching over my word to perform it. It's flawless. When you look at the, when, when Israel's made a nation, you add up the years where they talked about the captivity, comes out exactly to the date, May 14, 1948. It's almost like there's a God involved, praise the Lord. <laughs> and thank God, that God involved is our dad, amen? So we're very blessed. So let's run through some signs for a minute. Go over to Luke 21, and we'll pick up with these. Now these are signs of the second coming. We know the rapture of the church is signless. The rapture is a mystery, just like the church age was a mystery. I've heard a lot of people say, well, I talk to my friends about the rapture, they think I'm crazy. It's not for the unbeliever. It's for the believer. You talk to your friends about the rapture that aren't saved, they'll think you're nuts. Well, it's because it's not for them. Just like the church age when Jesus said, I'll build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. And they're like, church? What's a church? They thought he was going to set up the kingdom right then. But you had a 2,000 year gap called the church age. You got 2,000 years from Adam to Abraham. 
2,000 years from Abraham to the first coming of the Lord. 2,000 years from the first coming to the second coming. 6,000 years. The earth is about to get ready for that day of rest, that 1,000-year rest called the millennial reign of Christ. I mean, think about it. I, I grew up in Louisiana. I don't know about you, but man, on Saturday night, you're at the Lord's Saturday night right now. So we would try to pull out all the stops, get in everything you could before Sunday. Amen. So God's got a lot to get in before Sunday. Come on. You're, you're at the Lord's weekend. Weekends weren't made for Michelob. They're made for the Lord. Come on. So I don't know about you, but on Saturday night in Louisiana, it was like do everything you could because tomorrow's church day. But the earth is, is craving righteousness. Every movie you see where uh, law and order, NCIS, we, we crave righteousness. We crave to where, where, where everything's just right. Jesus is going to set up righteousness for that thousand years. So, so 6,000 years we've gone. And remember Jesus told the Good Samaritan, he said, I'll, I'll, I'll come back for him after two days. I'll, I'll take care of him. I'll come back for him after two days. If he spent any more, I'll take care of it. He told Herod, I do cures today, tomorrow, and the third day I'll be perfected. So after a 2,000-year church age, Jesus is coming back. So let's look at these signs of the second coming of the Lord. Rapture signless, second coming, many, many, many signs. But we know that the rapture is about seven or eight years before the second coming. So if we see all these signs of the second coming, we've got to be very, very close to the rapture. Now we know at the rapture of the church, we go up to meet the Lord of the air. At the second coming, we bodily come back with him at the second coming. How cool will it be to be on horses? I mean, I think about it. I've, I've flown airplanes, I've ridden motorcycles, I've ridden a horse, but I've never flown on a horse. I don't know what the protocol for that is, but giddy up, here we go. I mean, think of the view coming from heaven back to earth on a horse. I mean, it's just going to be awesome. I don't. I mean, how weird is that? So there must be, we'll go to the marriage supper of the Lamb, and they go to the, uh, marriage supper, the, the reward seat of Christ, and then horse flying school. So whatever period we have there... Uh, we'll be ready to do it. So let's look at these signs and let's look how precise they are. Look at Luke 21. Look at Luke 21. Go down to verse 24. He says in Luke 21, verse 24, they'll fall by the edge of the sword. Happened in 70 AD. And they'll be led away captive unto all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down or overthrown of the Gentiles or nations until the times of the nations be fulfilled. Now that's pretty bold. Jesus basically said uh, the times of the nations would be up when you see the Jews get back control of Jerusalem. When did they do that? Six-day war, 1967. So we're at the end end of six days of human history. The six-day war, Jerusalem was won back. Why is that a big deal? Jerusalem's the deal. If you live west of Jerusalem, you read left to right. You live east of Jerusalem, you read right to left. Everything goes back to that piece of real estate. It's pretty amazing how the war of all worlds worlds will be over that piece of real estate. The Temple Mount will be what everything revolves around, even for the Battle of Armageddon and for everything else. So, so amazing. Why is that so important? That's, that's the spot. That, uh, location, location, location. Jesus will come back. And with a scepter of righteousness is a scepter of his kingdom. He'll stand there at the Mount of Olives. There'll be a great earthquake there at the second coming. Wow. And the water that goes by the throne will go out and heal all the waters of the earth. Jesus has got so much life in him, it just gets near him and it quickens the whole planet. Woo, hallelujah. Mm. And here, you, he said, you have this treasure in earth and vessels. Come on. He's not near you. He's in you. Hallelujah. So we need to give a foretaste of what that'll be like. So here, Jesus says, when you see this one event, time's up. That's pretty bold. When you see Jerusalem one back, time's up. So watch what he does to help us comprehend that. Because that is kind of bold. Look at verse 29. He spake to them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. We know the fig tree is the nation of Israel. So he said, Israel will be your timepiece. 
You know, I would have said, look at the church. We need to see the church operating in the power of God. But he, he, he scattered them and regathered them. What a miracle. I mean, that's a pretty radical miracle that you can't deny that all of a sudden they're scattered, regathered. You had Russian Jews getting off of airplanes and, and they don't even know why they're there. It says, something drew me here. So what a miracle God did where he took a whole nation and brought them back. Because you could have a miracle happen in a church and we may not hear about it in another church, but God took a nation and regathered them in our lifetime. So Jesus says, look at Israel, it would be your timepiece. So watch what he says. This is pretty cool because he compares it to natural things. Verse 30. When they now shoot forth or bud, you see and know of your own selves that summer or harvest is nigh at hand. Likewise, or in the same manner, when you see these things come to pass, know that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. Wow. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all is fulfilled. Now here, that's pretty crazy. He said, when you see these things, what things? The fig tree bud and Jerusalem one back. And, that, and I will give you about 20 signs. He gave you two. He said, when you see these two, you can tell you're the generation. Now, and, and people get really mad. I've never seen people get frustrated about this, but you can talk about miracles. You can talk about Jesus being good. You talk about knowing when the Lord's coming back, and people get weird. They go, well, you can't know when the Lord's coming back. Well, you can if you can read. I mean, if you're driving from San Francisco down to L.A. and it says 200 miles to L.A., you go, I'm never going to make it. No. And when all of a sudden it says 100 miles, you know, you're getting closer. It says 50 miles. You know, you're getting closer. It says 25 miles. You know, you're getting closer. So the signs are there to show you how near you are. So the more signs you get that show you how near you are, it, it, you, go, you, don't go, you don't freak out. You go, wow, I'm getting close. The consensus has been, of that day and that hour, no man knows. Well, you might want to read a little bit because it says there, he's talking to Jewish boys about the second coming. Because the church, he said, you're not in darkness. That day would overtake you as a thief. The world, he comes as a thief. For us, he doesn't come as a thief. And think about it. You want to talk about Jewish guys? I mean, think about it. Uh, uh, They'll know exactly when he's coming back based on the Antichrist coming into the temple and saying, I'm God. They'll go, holy cow, we've got 42 months left. That's what the Bible says. They're smart enough. One of Tom's buddies, he got a buddy of his saved, uh, Tom right there, got a buddy saved in England. The guy got Brother Hagin's book, How to Be Led by Your Spirit. He got born again. Within one week, he reads this book and he goes, I have an unction, I have a witness. And Tom goes, what do you mean an unction, a witness? He goes, I'm being led by my spirit. It took him a week to figure out how to be led by his spirit. I've been in this 40-something years and still don't know how to be led by my spirit. I'm trying. So, so they're going to know exactly what's going on. So that even kicks that out. They'll know the exact day he's coming back based on when the Antichrist goes into the temple. So when it comes to us, yes, the rapture is, is, is a wonderful thing and we've taught it incorrectly, but my friend, there's an expectation and a joy. That day will not overtake us. I believe we'll be having church 24 hours a day. I believe the pastor will go, you take church 7 to 9, you take it 9 to 11, you take 11 to 1. We'll be the safe house where right before the coming of the Lord, people will be gathering. It'll be, it'll be what's been in your heart for years. Why is all that in your heart? Because it, 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 there's a truth to it. So here are the two main signs. Israel made a nation, Jerusalem won back. Jesus said, the generation that sees those two events will not pass away till all is fulfilled. And I like the word likewise. He said, when you see the fig tree bud, you can tell summer's coming. In the, in the spring, when the trees are dormant, like in Tulsa, our grass is brown, the trees have no buds. All of a sudden, they started budding last week, right before we went to Pittsburgh. I mean, the buds just started coming out, and not one person said, hey, summer's not coming this year. You go, well, yeah, it is. Look at the trees. The trees turning. The grass is turning. Nature's preaching. There's a change coming. Here, Jesus said, likewise, just as bold as you would be about trees, buddy, when you see Israel made a nation and Jerusalem back, he said, you're the generation he's coming back. 
Wow. Now, okay, you want to get technical because instantly people go, how long is the generation? Technically, it's how long you, you, when you're alive. In the old covenant, it was 40 years. Now it's probably 70 or 80. Really, if you want to get more technical, in, in Matthew it said these are the generations between Adam and Jesus. It came out to be 52 years. So however you like to do the math, it's you. Okay? I mean, you can do the math however you want. We've seen Israel made a nation. We've seen Jerusalem won back. So we're living in the generation when God's coming back to the planet. Hallelujah. And think of how he was mocked the first time, ridiculed, spit upon. This time he's going to come back as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So watch how Jesus admonishes us, and I want to get into the rest of the signs. He, he tells us here in verse 34, he said, Take heed to yourselves, or pay attention, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and the cares of this life, so that day comes upon you unawares. So you could be living when the two biggest signs happen, and it could just, you could be oblivious to it. He said, Pay attention to your life. The Message Bible says, don't let the sharp edge of your expectation get dulled by shopping and the busyness of life. I mean, we're all so busy that you can get caught up with, we've got to be here, got to be there. I mean, Daniel saw, he said we'd be moving, uh, knowledge would increase, people would be going to and fro. So here, here's a warning here, he wants you to have a sharp edge of expectation. What that expectation does is bring you joy. Why? Joy that you're going to go from how things are right now to all of a sudden being with the Lord. So shall we ever be with the Lord, he said. He said, comfort one another with these words. Why is that a big deal? It's the word exhortation. It means to call near to God. Hey, get close to him. He's coming. Get close to him. He's coming. And there's five things about the coming of the Lord, and they're all good news. Don't be deceived. Don't be troubled. I would not have you to sorrow as others that have no hope. And I want you comforted. There is no bad news for us. For the world, it's scary. I hear people on TV preaching stuff and it's bad news and they try to make us a part of a group that we're not a part of. Notice in the Gospels here about the second coming, you almost sometimes have a feeling you don't qualify. It's because he's talking to boys that aren't born again yet. Talking to you and I in the church, we've been made complete in him. He's already presented us holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in his sight. So the tone changes dealing with us. Thank God. Thank God it does. It's not about you. It's about him. I've heard people talk about that. The rapture the rapture is not about you. It's about him getting his body back. We've tried to make it all about us. It ain't about us. It's about him. He's coming back for his body. You, my friends, call me the hangnail of the body of Christ. So it doesn't matter what part you are as long as you're in the body. Amen? <laughs> Don't get caught up in wanting to be a different part. The hangnail's got the same life going through it as the head. Come on. So, so here we got these two main signs, and they're huge. Israel made a nation of Jerusalem back. But let's run through the rest of them real quick. What's the next one? Hebrew language restored. Okay? The Bible says right before the coming of the Lord, he'd restore unto them a pure language. hundred years ago, no one spoke Hebrew. Now they all speak Hebrew. One guy, Eliehu ben Yehuda, said, you know what? We ought to speak Hebrew here. He came up with new words for fountain pen, airplane, just modern terms. Now they all speak Hebrew. Pretty amazing. Tom and I were there. We going to meet with Ariel Sharon in 2001. Remember I told you the first service, like, what in the world am I doing? It's Tom get me into that deal to meet with, the, meet with them. I think I'm from, a, I'm from a small town in Louisiana, and I was we're in that room where the leather chairs are and the black and white pictures. And I, I was thinking, dear Lord. And I went over to grab me a pencil because I wanted a souvenir with some Hebrew. You know, the writing looks cool. And it was made in Iowa. I was kind of bummed out. Like, oh, man, come on. It's an American pencil. And... But while we were sitting there, uh, you could hear them walking down the hall. I mean, they're speaking perfect Hebrew. hundred years ago, hardly anyone spoke Hebrew. Now they all do. Google it. See when that's ever happened before in history. Never. When did it happen? Your lifetime. Israel made a nation. Your lifetime. Jerusalem won back. 
your lifetime. Hebrew language restored, your lifetime. Next, you've got the Ethiopian Jews brought back. The Bible says right before the coming of the Lord, he'd go bring them out of Ethiopia. Remember the Queen of Sheba went and met with Solomon? What Sheba means? Seven. After the house of the Lord is complete, the seven's the number for the tribulation. So what did she bring? What did she bring Solomon? 666 talents of gold. So God said, you know what? Right before the Messiah comes, I'll go bring those Ethiopian Jews back. 18,000 airlifted in one day. Miracle. Chuck Roberts on Headline News said an exodus that eclipses the book of Exodus. Because the book of Exodus took them a little while. This was done one day. C-130s flew right down in there, loaded those planes up. And an American man paid $30 million to do it. And he was running from the law. He was doing all this illegal stuff. And our country pardoned him for doing one good deed for the Jews. It's, it's amazing how God put people in position to help the Jews. Think of Nixon. All we other think of Nixon is, oh, I'm not a crook. But you know, Nixon, uh, uh, he was told by his mother, there'll come a time you'll be in a place of prominence and you'll be able to help the Jews. 1973, during that war, uh, 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 I believe it was Gold of My Ear came over and said, we need help, we need help. And Nixon said, what do you need? She told him. And he told McNamara, you send them everything we got. So America was an aid to the Jews. And I'll just say this about America. I love that the, the Star Spangled Banner was saying, people think God's done with America. Listen to me very carefully. You can't sow into all the world, not reap right here in your own country. Hey, I preached in China. I preached in Russia. I preached in Italy. I preached in Germany. You name a country, guess who's there? Crazy Americans. Come on. Our country has sent people all over the world. Our country will reap. Let me say that again. We have sown into all the world. We'll reap right here in our land. Come on. Yeah, it may not be the climate you like right now, but God's a whole lot bigger. He, he, he thrives on doing things when things don't look like there's a change coming. That's his motto. Wait till it looks like it's almost like, are you kidding me? Then watch the glory of the Lord. Show forth what God's like. Come on. That's the season you live in. We're, we're, we're in the fireworks season of the end of the end of days. Come on. I do want to get some Roman candles, you know, while you're preaching, just so people could get it. Like, watch this, because you want the, there is such change coming so soon. All right, so the Ethiopian Jews are brought out in one day. Wow, what a miracle, what a miracle. God's word coming to pass. Didn't even talk about the miracles of the Six-Day War. I mean, the miracles of the Six-Day War. I talked about the Egyptian, Egyptian guys going down, 88 tanks going against one Israeli tank. <laughs> the Israeli guy fires at him, so well, I'm going to go out with a bang. I'm not I'm just going to surrender. One Israeli guy fires at 88 tanks. The, the commander for the Egypt gets out of his tank in the morning and he has a white flag. I'm surrendering. He goes, I get to go to the highest ranking officer. The Israeli guy goes, what do you mean highest ranking officer? It's just me. That Egyptian guy goes, oh no, it's not just you. The whole countryside is filled with tanks with men dressed in white. You've been shelling us all night and we can't take it anymore. So you've got divine intervention in the ordinary course of nature right there in the Six Day War. Oh, come on. You've got miracle after miracle after miracle because there's such great change coming. This is a season of change, a shifting of everything where the earth's getting ready to meet Jesus. Mm. Man, how, how radical is that? So you've you got all of this happening. The Ethiopian Jews brought back. What happens after that? You've got the, the fertility of the land of Israel. A baron, Mark Twain, in the late 1800s was in Israel. He said, the land is so desolate it will not support life. I mean, think about that. And here now, they're so prosperous. They Listen to how the dirt produces. They give 90% of all the fruit for Europe comes from Israel. 
I mean, think about a continent getting all their fruit from a piece of land the size of New Jersey. What if you ate an apple this morning, made in New Jersey? Ate a banana, made in New Jersey. Ate a pear, made in New Jersey. Wow, what's up with New Jersey? The dirt produces. That's Israel. God said, I'll take... So look at all the visible things He's doing for you and I, that you and I... I don't need signs because I'm a believer, but I should pay attention to them to go, something's up. Now, these are signs that have happened in the past. We're going to get to a few that are happening right now. So we're very, very, very blessed. The fertility of the land absolutely is radical. You go to a cornfield and you go, well, they decorate them with roses. Why would they decorate cornfields with roses? The guy goes, that's not for decorations. The bugs will go to the roses before they'll go to the corn so they don't have to use pesticides. God just showed them how to do everything. Come on, to the point, a guy orders some cloth to make some tents and he has too much cloth so he ended up making some jeans called Levi's. Every country you go to, you you have a representation of God's covenant. Listen to me, God's covenant. Come on. He told him, I'll bring them back from all over the earth. And he did. Colleen and I were dating years ago. And uh, we were dating by text. Colleen's from Los Angeles. I'm from Tulsa. And I said, man, this dating by text does not work. You can't, you can't show any emotion whatsoever. So I said, babe, you've got to move to Tulsa. So I moved Colleen to Tulsa so we could date. It's not fun to date by text. So God's, amen, it's just not. You know, so God moved Israel back to the land so he can date her and court her. And he's dealing with her and he's going to protect her to where they'll, they'll, their eyes will be open. They'll, they'll turn to him. Just like Joseph revealed himself to his brethren, Jesus will reveal himself to his brethren Hallelujah. right here at the very end. So you've got the fertility of the land. It preaches. You can see it. It preaches. You can see it. It's just amazing. Can't deny, undeniable. All right, next you've got the revival of the Roman Empire. Pretty amazing. The United States of Europe, 1957, they said we felt like Romans on that day. The Treaty of Rome. Now, what happened on that day? What was Revive Rome, the platform for the Antichrist? I mean, you think about it, uh, uh, just crazy that all this stuff had to happen, and it's happened in front of our eyes. You can go to Brussels, Belgium, which I've been there. You go to the Capitol building. What does it look like? The Tower of Babel. They don't even know the markings on it are all from Nebuchadnezzar. You're like, holy cow, this is all from that system of, of satanic worship is right here, setting up a whole platform for a nation right before the coming of the Lord. We were in Europe last year. We are preaching Geneva and Nice and Norway. And I was sad because I like that stamp on my passport. It says Cote d'Azur. They don't even stamp your passport. It's just like going from California to Nevada. So, so this, this, this group has come together to be the platform for the Antichrist. The, the, the art out in front of the building is a molecule of iron magnified because Daniel saw iron and clay right before the coming of the Lord. So you've got all these visible representations called signs that the Lord's coming back. You've got the Temple Mount Institute in Israel. They had men that had been going to school for 25 years to do temple worship. They're ready to start having sacrifices. Why? Right after the rapture of the church, they start having sacrifices again. So you've got the guys that are going to run that, the priests, their last name's called Cohen. They've been going to school for 25 years to get ready for this. Not even born again yet, yet they've been moved by God. Just as Anna and Simeon were moved by God to come into the temple before the first coming of the Lord, you got people that have been moved on by God to be in position right before the second coming of the Lord. That same destiny is on the church, just like Anna and Simeon. That's all over the church. You have a feeling in you. I've got to be in church. I've got to be doing what I'm supposed to do. This is the time to never, ever miss church to let God intensify your call. There's something about the Word of God that's sharp and powerful. That's a, it divides. It's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. When you hear the Word, it goes in you. Why? Because God Himself is just about to come back to the planet. And, and it's almost like unless you are hungry and humble, it'll go right past you. 
Because Jesus said you could be living when all this is happening and you could be walking like this. He said, lift up your head, your redemption draws nigh. Indicating you could walk in a downtrodden stance and he wants you to be going, my God, I'm about to meet the king. And you know, it's amazing that some people go, is this really going to happen? How many signs do you need? I'm going to keep going. i got many more. You know, as a traveling guy, how many signs do we need before we really make some changes in our life? You need to pray more than you've ever prayed. You need to worship more than you ever... You need to listen to the Word more than you've ever listened to the Word. My mom was crazy. 1970, when she got baptized in the Holy Ghost, she was such a Word lady. She'd go, hey, we're going to go hear Kenneth Hagin and, and, and wherever, Nevada. I'd go, uh, okay. I didn't really want to go hear the Word as a kid, but anything to get out of school. So... But there, there was such a move that she'd take confession packs with her to the pool or to the lake. I'm like, Mom, what's wrong with you? There's, there's a move to get the word in people to where you had confessions. And my friend, well, I wonder what the move is right before the coming of the Lord. I believe it's all the different moves of God wrapped up into one. So who's going to respond to that? Who's going to be in position? He's raised you up. Mm. So let's go through some more. We got that. Uh, you got, wow, that, that's pretty radical having the Ethiopian Jews brought back. You've got re- revival of the Roman Empire. You've got the fertility of the land of Israel. The Temple Mount Institute. There's many, many, many more that are happening right now. Let's go talk a little bit about what's happening now. Go to Matthew 24. And let's look at a couple things that are happening this last week. Matthew 24, real quick. Look at this. This is pretty cool. Matthew 24. Jesus is there at the Temple Mount. And he, uh, he says here in Matthew 24. Now, remember, Matthew 24 is all about the second coming. These are not rapture verses. Because I hear people go, if you don't have oil in your lamp, you're not going to go up. He's talking to unbelievers there. You're not talking to believers. Because they're all second coming verses. Okay? Because the church, I've got the oil right here in me. I've got the lamp lamp maker, the oil maker. I've got all of it right there. (laughs) Amen. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Amen. So Matthew 24, look what he says here. He says, And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and disciples came to him to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another, shall not be thrown down. I like this. As he sat upon the Mount of Olives, his staff or disciples came to him privately. Hey, tell us, when shall this be? What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age or the end of the world? Really, it's the end of the age in the Greek. He said here, Take heed that no man deceive you. Many will come in my name, saying, I'm Christ, and shall deceive many. You'll hear of wars and rumors of wars, see that you're not troubled. All these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Nations shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. Now, really what that is, the Hebrewism, that one nation goes to war with another nation starts a world war. Happened twice in the last century. Now, there is the setup for World War III right now, and that's what we'll get into here in a moment. But he says here, you'll have famines, you'll have pestilence, you'll have earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Now, mark in your Bible from verse 9 to verse 22 is the tribulation. That's not what I would have answered. They said, hey, what's it going to look like? And he goes, oh, tribulation. Jesus is trying to tell them, when you see these signs, the the tribulation period, you can tell I'm about to come. God's so smart, he gave them a left-behind book called the book of Revelation. I mean, they'll they'll be able to go, here comes a seal, here comes another seal, here comes a trumpet judgment, here comes a bold judgment. We're born again, so we'll be raptured. But my friend here, he told them, when you see all this stuff happening, you can tell I'm about to come. Someone's out there fishing. We're not catching much today. Well, I guess not. The water turned to blood. In other words, you're not going to be able to go, I didn't notice it. A couple of asteroids hit. You know, I didn't notice anything. Preaching in this in Russia, and it's called Wormwood. Some of the asteroids that will hit will, will be radioactive and spoil a third of the waters. The word Wormwood is the word Chernobyl. In the Russian Bible. So, so here he tells them the climate is tribulation. But thank God we don't have to be here during the tribulation. We get raptured pre-trib. But what's wonderful is you see symptoms of the trib. Islam coming to the forefront. Islam flew planes into, into, into buildings in our country. 
So think about ISIS. Look at ISIS mentally for a minute. Look at the Tigris and the Euphrates rivers. Look at where all they are in Iraq. Right there where the cradle of civilization was. Right where the Garden of Eden was. ISIS this last year took equipment, our equipment, and tried to dam up the Euphrates. When I saw that, I was like, oh my Lord, why is that a big deal? That right before the coming of the Lord, the Euphrates goes dry and the kings of the east bring their equipment over the Euphrates. You've got a, is ISIS doing that right now? Yeah, it doesn't get any more blatant than that. Okay, this other one's the predatory birds. Animal Planet Channel a few years ago, an Israeli ornithologist, bird specialist, said, we don't understand it. It's the greatest gathering of predatory birds ever in history. 172 different species of predatory birds. That's pretty crazy when you've got 172 different species showing up. She said, we don't understand it. I went, holy cow. Right after the rapture of the church, you got the Ezekiel 38 war, and God calls on the fowl of the air to come clean the land up. At the end of the tribulation period, seven years later, he calls on the fowl of the air to come clean the land up. You've got the cleanup crew already in Israel. So, I mean, just like Noah, they thought he was crazy, but when the animals started showing up, it kind of preaches. So here, he says, what will preach to you is you've got world war, you've got famines, you've got earthquakes in diverse places. Oklahoma, we moved from California to Oklahoma. We had 1,514 earthquakes last year. Normal is three to four. That's a little bit of an increase. Just a tad. Several times, Colin goes, another earthquake. I watch one of my pictures move on the wall. I'm like, what in the world's going on? So, I mean, we, we, here, here nature's preaching to us. You've got Russia. Right after the rapture of the church, Russia comes down on Israel, the Bible says. And, and 82% of them are stopped. Well, watch. You've got Putin going into Crimea, going into the Ukraine, and saying, we're not in the Ukraine. This last week, they had Russian troops in Latvia, in, in Latvian garb, saying we're Latvian troops. He said, you're not Latvian troops, you're Russian troops. You, and, then, and then he said, Crimea is the religious cradle of our society that is holier to us than the Temple Mount is to the Jews in Israel. And not one world leader said a word. Now, we'll close in just a minute, but I want you to get this. This, this is it. I mean, you got the, the signs are absolutely amazingly overwhelming. Let's talk about the blood red moons for just a minute, and then we'll close. Just hang with me for just a couple minutes. Everybody still glad you came? How many glad you're here and not in jail? Come on. All right. Praise the Lord. We'll stop in just a second. Because I'm not going to preach for a couple more minutes. Because I have been in the meeting when, the, when Jesus had left the building and the preacher didn't know. Hadn't you been in the, you've been in those services where Jesus had left the building and the preacher just kept right on going. So I, I, trust me, we'll stop. Okay, what happened this last year? Blood red moons on Passover and Tabernacles. Pretty big deal. Passover Tabernacles. Pretty big deal. Okay, Passover is when he died. Tabernacles is when the second coming will be. So the heavens are saying, I died for you. I'm coming back. This year, Passover and Tabernacles. The blood red moon on Tabernacles is called a close moon. It'll be right over Jerusalem, blood red. Pretty amazing. Passover, Tabernacles. When did that happen last? Four blood red moons on Passover and Tabernacles. When did that happen last? 1967, the Six Day War. 1948, Israel made a nation. And, and 1492, when the Jews were kicked out of Spain. Yeah. So you got nature preaching to us. Because Joel said, before that great notable day of the Lord, the sun would be darkened and the moon would turn to blood. Okay, so what happened Friday? You had, a, you had an eclipse. You had an eclipse in between the four blood red moons. Okay, that day of the eclipse was on the, the Jewish religious New Year, Nisan 1. Guess when that's ever happened before? Never. Never, ever in history has that happened before. When that happened? Your lifetime. You had it on, on the spring equinox. You had it where the sun start, sets perfectly on the equator. You have all this stuff happening with the heavens because God's trying to go, oh, by the way, I'm coming back. Yes, amen. Yes. Amen. Glory. 
So, uh, you know, we, we have a lot of info about this, but the thing for you and I is, let's be merciful, let's be kind, let's be joyous, let's cut people slack, let, let's be, be sweeter than you've ever been. Let, let people see what Jesus is really like. And I know this, you know, getting into it for, for, for many years now, I finally got it last year more than anything. He wants you to be excited about seeing That's Him. Right. He wants you to have something to look forward to. Most people are so, their hope deferred makes the heart sick. They've just been, they've been so busy with life and so downtrodden. He said, I want my kids to be excited about me coming back. And my friend, my, when my phone rings and my daughter's right there, I go, man, Lauren's calling me. I stop everything for my kid and I can't wait to see her. That excitement, that's an edge of what, what he has for you. He can't wait to be with you. So my friend, he wants you anticipating the glory of God, anticipating the move of God. It's the hope that purifies you even as you're pure. Because my friend, the greatest change that you'll ever experience in your life is very soon. He's going to say, come up, come up hither, come up to the throne of God. And, and my friend, we've borne the image of the earth. We'll bear the image of the heavenly. Oh, come on now. Flesh and blood cannot inherit incorruption. We're going to be changed. Come on. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we're going, to, we're going to leave the planet. Just like Enoch, just like Elijah, just like Jesus, the church is going to leave the planet. And man, once you get into it, we have so much authority. He's got to take the church off the earth so he can do, act like old covenant time. Because you're the body of Christ. You can't have the antichrist and the body of Christ here at the same time. That's how powerful you are. You've got to be removed so that he can even come on the scene. We, you're so powerful and he loves you so much. He loves you so much. Get that in your brain. The devil fights that to make people think God's mad at him. God's not mad. He loves you. He, it's so extreme that we can't even, we can't even measure it. Supernaturally weird extreme love. You should, we, we, we should be so happy that people think we're, something's wrong with us. I mean, we're just giddy. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus coming back to the earth. We used to sing the old song, soon and very soon. We're going to see the king. Soon and very soon. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We're going to see the king. So God set your life up. He set your life up for right now. So why don't we do this? I know there's many signs. I, they're, they're on the backs of the t-shirts. I got t- there's a picture of Jesus on one of the t-shirts from a crusade of T.L. Osborne's. The Buddhist photographer took it coming to mock Brother Osborne, here Jesus shows up in the clouds. But the signs are all in the back of the t-shirts. It's not just to sell t-shirts. Go take a picture of them. I don't care. Get the signs to show you how close you are. Yeah. He loves you so much, He wants you to be happy. Yeah. So let's do this. Let's, let's do this. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes just for a minute before we go. Lord, we, we recognize all these signs. And, and we make adjustments in our hearts. We love you, Father. We're here. That's why we're here. We love you so much. Help us, Father. Cooperate with you. Help us be in full stride as we approach your return. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise. We make changes today to do your will. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen.